The Free For All Roundtable. Round two. On round two, let's say good morning to Deepika Demerla is here, Mississauga City Councilor, Lindsay Broadhead, Strategic Communications and Public Affairs Advisor, and Bob Reed, not only the creator of the miraculously successful, well, not miraculously, the runaway success, touchdowns and fumbles on the Jerry Agar Show, but also principal at broadwaystrategy.com. Good to have you all. Good morning. And uh, let's start with what I certainly consider to be possibly the most debatable issue on the agenda today. That would be a guy, 57 years old, Mississauga resident. He's been busted for selling a product, which is a legal product, but it seems he knows very well that the people he's selling it to are planning on killing themselves with it. Bob Reed, I'll start with you. What level of culpability does this guy have, especially in the shadow of the fact that in Canada we do have assisted suicide, so a doctor can help you die, but this guy is going to go to jail? Well, if the charges are borne out in court, shall we say, uh, I think the guy's a parasite. I mean, he's, he's preying on people who are looking to take their lives for whatever reason. And I think there's a very big difference between uh, medically assisted death that we are, are moving forward with and, and continuing to, uh, uh, to embrace, uh, shall we say, in, in, in this country. Not everybody, but it's, it's, now, it's now an option for people. And it's very, very carefully and, and delicately handled as it should be. This this guy was marketing and selling a lethal agent to people who were at the end of their rope for whatever reason. And I think it's just absolutely reprehensible. 1,200 packages of this stuff uh, has been has been sent out to people in, I think it's 40 different countries, which is, you know, th- this this isn't a one-off. This isn't, a, this isn't an isolated incident. This is a guy who was preying on very, very troubled people. Yeah, and Deepika, this is happening in your own community. Um, this guy is a Mississauga resident. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, I would have to agree with uh, Bob that, you know, the whole uh, assisted suicide, there was always, you know, the the concern around a slippery slope. And so you cannot conflate someone like uh, this guy uh, who is uh, actively preying on people as opposed to made which has so many uh, checks and balances in place uh, this is a totally different ball of wax and very reprehensible and it's really interesting so it's clearly not a business because you're not going to make money selling 1200 packages of this stuff i mean it's not worth your time so he's clearly doing this for a very different reason uh, certainly raises some interesting legal uh, I guess you know we'll see what the uh, what the arguments are from the defendant side in court, but very troubling. And also, you know, I was wondering how on earth did he get his hands onto a regulated product? Because typically, if a product is regulated, you need a license to be able to purchase it and sell it. So that's the other part. Like, how did he get his hands? to this product, but overall very troubling. Lindsay, none of this proven in court yet, but it does seem like this guy is almost, and listening to Divica, he's like a casual serial killer. Yeah, and look, I love the word uh, parasite that Bob used, because I think that just boils it down to what it is. Um, The legalities of this are fascinating um, because 
you know, no doubt he is ethically on the wrong side, no matter what his intent, like whether he thinks he's an assisted suicide vigil- vigilante or whether he um, it was out for a quick buck, as he describes, um, you know, there's no good reason for this ethically. Legally, he's selling a um, a legal substance. So um, I'm I'm very curious to see how the the law and the ethics come together here. Um, but very scary that he, you know, our uh, that people offer up a, a quick quick route to uh, what, you know what we know are growing troubles in our society. It just seems to be bubbling um, higher and higher and making uh, escalating the the strains around mental health. So, yeah, Uh, I'm going to move to another topic because I want to get through our agenda here. Uh, Two Toronto police officers charged for stealing booze. And actually, Bob, I'll start with you. This is so, you know, palm to the forehead stupid. I don't think it even qualifies for touchdowns and fumbles. Yeah, it's it is a head shaker, although, you know, I can I I can speculate as to what happened, because the the two officers, they made an arrest of a guy that uh, was wanted on warrants for other issues. So it's not like he stole alcohol. He stole, you know, booze from a from an LCBO or something. They caught him and then took the evidence. It seems like this is alcohol that he happened to have in his possession and they got him. They busted him uh, for the for the outstanding warrant. And then we're probably saying, well, you know what? This is just going to get tossed. We might as well take it. Now they're charged with theft because that's exactly what it is. So what might have seemed like, uh, oh, well, this is inconsequential, this doesn't matter, is now really going to have a serious impact on uh, on these officers' careers. Yeah, Lindsay Broadhead, it just, I mean, the word I used in talking to our crime analyst, Mark Mendelson, was it just seems sad. I mean, the senior cop must be making over a hundred grand a year, and now he's going to be cashiered out because he needed a free liquor bottle. Yeah, it's it's sad. I, you know, like he he spent decades um, uh, defending our city, our residents, doing all the good things. Presumably, a great cop um, and a one back decision. So, you know, where I guess it stands just as a reminder: don't do dumb things. <laughs> there you go, Dipika. Did you have thoughts? <laughs> Well, the thought that went through my head is, is it more typical of the scenario that Bob described, which is, you know, just in that moment, wrong judgment, you think, oh, what what the hell? Or is there a pattern here? Is this the first offense? Because I know that, uh, you know, there have been other stories in the media about cops, for example, stealing drugs. Uh, So, you know, the most important thing as this thing is investigated, I think will be, uh, is this the first offense and a one-time misjudgment or will they find that there's some pattern here. So I, I am uh, reserving judgment at this point. Yeah. And and we have to lawyer ourselves here. But I would say I heard from a police officer who said if he's guilty of this, the 55-year-old, then he's done it before. You know, he's not doing it for the first time at 55. Not to be proven in court yet. Um, let me start with Lindsay Broadhead as we discuss. I didn't, this is not debatable, but I didn't want it to pass unnoted. Two Canadians have died fighting for Ukraine, age 21 and 27. And Lindsay Broadhead, you you know, to think we talk always of the sacrifice of our veterans in Afghanistan or World War II or Korea. And here in our own times, we have Canadian citizens who could easily keep their nose out of something like this, going to Ukraine and dying in the line of fire. 
Yeah, the there's so much cynicism and political divide partisanship right now about uh, the Ukraine, the Ukraine, our, our role on the global stage. Um, and a story like this, as horrible as it is, I take it as a, an amazing reminder that, um, you know, the younger men and women of this country will stand up and fight. Um, and I think that spirit um, is very present in Canada. Um, and it's something that I think we should be more uh, optimistic about and positive about and, and hold on to when we're talking about these larger issues. I know that's very uh, kind of heartstrings comment, but um, these people stood up for um, their families, their heritage, perhaps, or maybe they didn't even know them. Uh, and, and that's something to celebrate. Bob Reed, they are the fourth and fifth Canadians killed since the Russian invasion in Ukraine. And I guess... You know, most people probably go into something like this thinking, I'm not the guy who's going to die, but always knowing it could be me. And in the case of these two, it was. Yeah, what a what a sacrifice and and what bravery it took for both of them to, you know, to volunteer, to travel over to Ukraine, to join the army, trying to defend the country. Uh, one of the gentlemen sounds uh, like he was of Ukrainian heritage. Uh, the other one, I'm not sure, but he, the, the, he, the, the, the second uh, the second of the two, Kyle Porter was his name from Calgary. Um, his attitude was, I'm, I'm a trained former Canadian forces soldier. I, I have, I have the expertise. I can go help. I can go help defend Ukraine. And that was the motivation. So, you know, it's, it, it, it really is just a, a, a breathtaking sacrifice on the part of both of them. And you'd sing the song, um, should these guys get the highway of heroes treatment? Boy, that's a that's that that's that's a tough call. Um, they they weren't fighting for Canada. Uh, I, I I wouldn't want to blur the lines on on that one. Interesting observation, uh, Dipika. I want to start with you because you are part of a city council, and probably the city of Mississauga is going to be in negotiations one time or another with city workers. There is a fear in some quarters that the twelve point six percent raise over four years granted to federal workers is setting the benchmark for all other employees, you know, private and public. Uh, although there are some, and I'll let you run with this, who would argue twelve point six percent in an inflationary period is not exactly handing out the cash through the front door. So 100%, I think this 12.6% uh, over four years becomes the starting point for the next uh, public sector negotiation. 100%, I mean, why wouldn't you? Um, and, and, you know, it's it's a tough one to... Uh, so, so yes, I, I agree with the do domino effect. But in terms of whether the 12.6% was fair or not, I think, you know, it appears that it's under inflation, so it's not really unfair because at the very minimum, our wages need to keep up with inflation. The challenge, of course, is that when the public sector increases wages, the taxpayer has to pay it, and it's not discretionary. And so what I mean by that is when inflation hits the private sector, I can choose to say, well, I won't have you know, coffee every day, I'll make my coffee at home, you can, you can cut back. But because in the, with the public sector, I mean, most of this, I, unless the government decides to borrow, most of this will be passed on to the taxpayer, who then has to pay it. And so we now the question becomes, 
as the taxpayers in general, not, not just the public sector taxpayers, the broader taxpayer, are they seeing enough wage increases uh, to combat inflation? So that's the tricky part. So I, I do support, you know, uh, workers at least getting uh, inflation adjusted raises. Uh, but how does that trickle down to the rest of the economy? And what does that mean for the tax? Thank you all for your thoughts. Good to have you this morning. Catch the roundtable. Round one at 745. Round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.